As we turn our attention to the word, I invite you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. Uh, over the series of the fall on hospitality, sometimes we've, we've taken on some big chunks of scripture. We've uh, uh, maybe from a preacher's perspective bit off more than we can chew here and there because there's always more to say. And so it seems fitting today as we finish just to focus on three verses from Colossians 3 verses 15 through 17. Colossians is in the New Testament, so after you get through the, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you go through the book of Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and then Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It's a reasonably small book, but small but mighty. And so as we turn our attention to Colossians 3, we'll be just looking at verses 15 through 17. As we do so, we're mindful of hospitality, um, but also, as Aaron shared in Confession and Assurance, that it's Christ the King Sunday. And I will admit, from the time that I picked this text out about six weeks ago to now, it shifted a little bit over time, because God's Word has a way of doing that. And that happens through prayer, which is why before the reading of God's Word, we pray together um, for God to open the Word to us. And so we pray for that same measure of God's hospitality to us to be true today. Will you pray with me? God, we give you thanks for the gift of your word, for the ways in which you speak to us, from the ways in which you put our word, your word in our hearts so that our words and thoughts and deeds may be shaped more and more into your likeness as you promise to always speak to us, to never leave us or forsake us. We ask that you make true that promise now and speak to us, O Lord, for we, your servants, listen. We listen with ears that need hope. We listen with hearts that need encouragement and challenge. We listen with minds that need sharpening. We listen with all of our being waiting to engage with you. And so engage with us through your word this day. In the word and through the name of your son Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Colossians chapter 3 verses 15 through 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Who's in charge and who is in control? The answer to that question matters a great deal, and it matters that we get it right. Who is in, who is in charge and who is in control? When that question is answered incorrectly, it's pretty easy to remember. One such time where that question, uh, not maybe on the same cosmic scale, but was asked and answered incorrectly, was March of 1981. There was an assassination attempt on President Reagan's life. He survived. And yet in the chaos that ensued, in the uncertainty, in the unknowing of all that was happening, Secretary of State for President Reagan, Al Haig, at a press conference, was essentially asked that question, well, who's in charge? Who's in control? And at the mic, with the authority, 
looking down at all of the press and assuring a nation, probably out of a goodwill to uh, settle things down, to assume calm, Al Haig said, I'm in control here. Except he was wrong. Because that's not how the line of succession works if a president is incapacitated. It would go from president to vice president, but Vice President Bush was still unavailable. But it did not then go to Secretary of State Al Haig. It would have first gone to the Speaker of the House and the President pro tempore of the Senate. Al Haig, when he said, I am in control here, was well-intended, but was wrong. He was not in control. He was not in charge. He assumed an authority that he did not actually have. Now, history will always judge and maybe assess in the heated moment, was it just an attempt to reassure and keep things calm? That's the best reading of history that we can give to him. But it doesn't take away from the fact that by the laws of our nation, by the Constitution, he was wrong. Who's in control here? I'm in control here, he said. But that was not true. He was a couple yet down the list as Secretary of State. But rather than pick on people who, under the pressure of the moment, got it wrong, who's in control, who's in charge, let's imagine that we turn that episode in on ourselves. Turn that question in on your own heart and soul and mind at this time of the year and ask yourself, who's in charge here? Who's in charge of you? What voice has the most authority and command in your life in this moment? Is it as Colossians, yeah, it was right the first time. Colossians 3.15 says, may the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. May Christ's peace reign over us that the voice that should answer who's in control in your life, in your heart, in your mind, in your soul is the voice of Christ both to your heart and from your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit saying, the peace of Christ reigns over me. The peace of Christ has rule here. It is the peace of Christ that is in control and that is in charge. It should be for us the peace of Christ And yet, at this time in the year, I wonder how many competing voices there are saying, I'm in charge, and probably out of a good intention and will to say, we'll take care of all the things that need to be taken care of. But the end of the year is stressful. It's the end of quarter four for business people. It might be time to finish up and fill up quotas and make sales. There's farmers who are hopefully finishing harvest as soon as they possibly can as the year turns towards colder and snowier weather and greater messes. As we go into December, it's final exam and major papers for many of our students. It's the time for many people to get medical things taken care of while the deductible is still a little bit fuller than it will be at the turn of the year. There is no shortage of pressure and voices saying, I'm the first priority. I'm in charge here. I'll get done what needs to get done. Who's in control? Who's in charge? Is it the peace of Christ that truly rules over our hearts? As we got through one round of holiday gatherings and now we turn towards Christmas gatherings where there's going to be Christmas parties and family get-togethers and time for travel and making sure that we get gifts and taking care of everything that we absolutely can on top of, uh, uh, top of Christmas concerts and other events to go to. There can be a lot of voices competing very loudly saying, I'm in charge, I'm the first priority. And yet over all of that, 
we attend to our hearts in worship together in saying the peace of Christ is what needs to rule over our hearts. That we can answer in honesty, with integrity, that it is Jesus who is in control here. At this point in the year, how would that press conference go in your heart and soul and mind? What voice would answer loudest and most excitedly that it needs to be in charge to take care of what needs to be taken care of? And does that voice compete and even try to overrule, even if it's a mistake, even if that voice is wrong, does it try to compete with the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts? Since as members of one body, we were called to peace, that we might also be thankful. Thankful not just on Thanksgiving, though we should be as we go around the table and everybody says one thing they're thankful for. Yes, thankful then and not just thankful in evening prayers where we might ask, God, how did I see you at work today? How can I be thankful for the ways in which you are still at work in my life? Yes, thankful then and continuing to be people who are thankful because of all the stuff going on in our lives, or if we start to look further of all the things happening in the world, that we can honestly say that the peace of Christ rules over our hearts. With all of our stress, with all of our anxiety, with all of the things that are grabbing for our attention and time, that in all of it, as a countercultural witness, we might say, the peace of Christ still rules over my heart not in the absence of stress and demand, but in spite of it, even in the face of it, that the peace of Christ might rule over our hearts. Who is control? Who's in charge? And can we honestly say it is Christ who is in charge of our hearts? We're told in Colossians 3.16 to let the message of Christ dwell among us richly as, as we teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. And this is where the original idea of using this text as part of hospitality comes from. Because if we are truly to be people who let the, the peace of Christ rule over us, then we need to hold each other accountable and we also need to be fed and strengthened and encouraged to go into a world where the peace of Christ does not seem to rule. And so as we gather here, we pay attention to the words that we sing that we open with words of praise, that we do, in fact, confess even with our lips and our voices that we fall short and we need God's grace. We sing songs of assurance, knowing of God's grace and mercy. We do all of this because we need the right wording and the right mindset in our heads and in our hearts so that when life pushes against us with all that it's going to throw at us, we have wisdom that we are prepared with words that say, Christ rules over me. The peace of Christ reigns in my heart. It is Jesus who is in control of my life. And so we teach and admonish each other, even with the words that we sing. I think of all of the problems in the world today, and it's actually a song that comes to mind. Though the wrong seems oft so strong, do you know the end of it? God is the ruler yet. We teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, even through the songs that we sing, through the psalms that we put to music, through songs of the Spirit and hymns. Though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. 
When I hear people pointing fingers at God's wrath being poured out on a particular person as if, well, they must have done something wrong, so God's wrath is being poured out on them, I'm brought back to in Christ alone, that the wrath of God was satisfied. The words that we sing matter. Pay attention to the words, that they might be a source of wisdom that we teach and admonish one another, that we coach ourselves, that we build one another up. And of course, as Aaron shared, there's always more room on stage if you'd like to help sing those in whatever key that you want. Or I don't know how music works, but I think they'll tell you what key to sing it in. But this is part of our call in worship. Worship should be accessible to us in a way that leads to our own growth and well-being, but not as some Zen kumbaya goal, but so that the peace of Christ might rule in our hearts, that Jesus might reign and be in charge of us. Verse 17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we should pause there because that's a very popular memory verse, as it should be. It is good and right to all that we think and say and do should be done in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But that isn't a blanket statement of permission that we get to do whatever we want and stamp Jesus' name on it and say, we're doing everything in the name of Jesus. Because if we try to do that, we might be living outside of God's intended will for us. It's not enough just to say, I do everything in the name of Jesus. It's not a blanket stamp that gives us permission to do what we want. The only way that we truly, that we truly make every word and thought and deed in the name of Jesus Christ is if first the peace of Christ rules over our hearts. If we are living outside of that being the voice that is in charge of God having reign over us, then there's no chance that everything that we do in word and deed will be done in the name of Jesus Christ. It might be stamped on it cheaply at the end, but it won't come from the reign of Christ and therefore doesn't lead to his kingdom flourishing. For us truly to have everything that we do in word, in deed, it must be done. In the name of the Lord Jesus, starting with Christ ruling in our hearts. In that way, as we gather for worship, it's a refresher course. It's maybe the exercise or workout that we need of singing praises to God, of remembering that Christ does rule over us, that we need that reminder because we're going to go out from this place, from this holy sanctuary, to the north and south and east and west, and when we do so, we will re-enter a world where if we look around, it doesn't look like the peace of Christ is ruling over all. It doesn't look to me like the peace of Christ is ruling over Israel and Palestine. It doesn't look to me like the peace of Christ is ruling in Russia and Ukraine. It doesn't look to me like the peace of Christ is ruling even in corners of our own nation where there is hatred and dissatisfaction and strife. And yet we come to this witness and say, may the peace of Christ rule over your hearts. May Jesus reign in your hearts. And that will always be a counter-cultural witness. And as we gather here as the church, we do so to strengthen our witness so that when we go, when we are ready and we look at all that's going on, we are convicted in our hearts that Jesus is still ruling over us. 
and that we encourage one another that Christ rules over you, over your heart, over your mind, over your soul. So that if there were a press conference, if someone were to ask you, who is in charge of you? Who's in control of you? Is it the desire to get things done? Well, they do need to get done. Is it the desire to make sure that we spend enough time with all the right people and check all the right boxes and make all the right parties and get all the right gifts and presents and do all the right things? Or in the spite of all of that busyness, in the face of it, can we honestly say, the peace of Christ rules over my heart. And so when you go out into the world, when you read the next headline, when you stare down at all the places that to us it does not appear that Christ's reign is being fully realized, that the peace of Christ has not ruled over all, that we say that may be, and yet Christ will continue to rule over me. That the peace of Christ is both a strength within us and a shield around us that we can yet face another day. So if you say today, the peace of Christ rules over me, are you saying it in spirit, in truth, and will it just be said here? Or does what we do here, does what we learn here, do the words that we sing here and the words that we pray here, do they go with us? Because as we said throughout this series, to practice hospitality is to put the gospel into practice. And the world can teach us how to be nice according to a certain set of standards and customs. But if we are truly to practice hospitality, gospel hospitality that brings the kingdom of Jesus here to earth, Emmanuel, come and be near to us, O God, to practice that kind of hospitality and goodness, it needs to start with Christ reigning and ruling over our hearts. And yet Christ's reign and rule is a hospitable one. We love because Christ first loved us. And so when we invite Jesus to rule and reign over us, it is a move of hospitality for us in our worship time together to be strengthened in our witness that we can face tomorrow because he lives, that we can go into another day because we know who holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. May this be true to us and through our witness and for us not only just in worship, but when we leave from this place, may the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, in a moment of stillness, if we tried to be totally silent in our homes for 30 seconds, we might think of 40 different things that we need to do. We might feel and remember all the demands on our time, all of the pressure, all of the anxiety, all of the stress. And we ask you to reign over us, that your peace may rule our hearts, and that we may live into the peace that you have called us to. And in that peace, may we truly be thankful. May our time of worship strengthen us, not just for ourselves, but may it strengthen our witness to face another day, to go out into the world, to know and see and behold and be bothered by all that is wrong with a, with a holy botheredness. And yet, as we are bothered, we still remember that you rule over our hearts. Give us your peace, both now and forever. Amen.